previously on the Dying Message podcast. The podcast has been stolen? Did anyone leave a note? Yeah, there's a signed note. Oh my god, what does it say? It says listen to rotten underscore treasure. (laughs) I hope it says take your heart. It's like a cat's eye. Oh no, it's someone has stolen our podcast and we are going to have to get it back. God damn it. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest, is what I usually say to start the podcast, but our podcast has been stolen by the art thieves known as Cat's Eye. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, but I don't know if I can hold on to the title since I've allowed our podcast to be stolen right out from under my nose, right in the middle of an episode while we were recording the podcast last week. So we have brought in a mystery expert to watch Cat's Eye episode one, You're a Sexy Thief, to try to help us find our stolen podcast. At the time of recording, this episode is free to watch on YouTube in the U.S., so if you want to check it out before, during, or after listening to our podcast, that's where you'll probably find it. Joining me, of course, is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. I came up with an icebreaker question so that people could get to know you better. Oh my goodness. What is something soothing you like to do when something bad happens? Uh, I guess because I'm feeling bad because the podcast was stolen and I'm looking for advice. Oh, drink coffee, which isn't actually like it suits me like in a mental (laughs) way, but also exacerbates anxiety. So like it's not actually soothing, but I feel like it's soothing. Sort of like a win-lose situation. I'm going to take that suggestion and either drink tea or alcohol instead. Or both. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, uh, I thought we would talk a little bit about Tanookis. Yay. Because they uh, they mention him a little bit in this episode. They keep calling the one guy a tanuki, and I don't know if everybody knows what a tanuki is, and they, they may know what a tanuki is and not realize they know what it is. We know what a tanuki Mario is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so a tanuki uh, or a Japanese raccoon dog, they're actually genetically closer to dogs than they are raccoons. They just resemble raccoons in like the face and the, the fur. They're just uh, an indigenous indigenous species to Japan. They live in like forests and mountains. Uh, they're like they're not super rare, but they're not they're not like endangered. But you don't see them all over the place. But there's a lot of like Japanese mythology surrounding tanukis. Uh, I thought I'd mention some of those things. One, obviously, that they're like sneaky. They play tricks and stuff like that, which is why they keep calling the uh, museum director a tanuki. Other than the fact his face is like kind of scrunched up like a tanuki hmm. in this episode. But uh, there's uh, some fun mythological bits about Tanookis. One, uh, that they can turn leaves into items to trick people. Oh, like in, that's why in Mario you get a leaf and it turns you into a Tanooki. <laughs> Their statues are often depicted with very large testicles. I caught that in this episode. Because of an old story where they would stretch, they, a Tanooki tricked a human into living in a house, which was actually their testicles stretched out to yeah. look like a house. Uh, and they also will sometimes uh, trick humans into touching objects that will transport them to the forest. All three of these things are uh, inspiration for the mechanics of a little game called Animal Crossing. <laughs> so if you ever, when you go to pay your mortgage to Tom Nook, or you buy a piece of furniture that is a leaf that turns into an object, you can oh. feel a little bit weirder <laughs> about all that. <laughs> um, funny story, there there was a fourth little pig who built a house out of testicles, but they oh, no. have since removed him from the story. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. 
I thought you might talk about Tanuki's Day, and I'm glad you did. It hasn't come up yet, but who knows? It could come up again in the other stuff we watch. Meanwhile, we are just st- stumped. Have you seen the podcast lately? Uh, no. There's li- Do you know where it got to? There's like a few leotards just sort of scattered about where the podcast used to be. <laughs> no, those are mine. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, let's bring in someone who can maybe help us find it. Our mystery expert this episode is an artist and improviser, artistic director of the long-running Philly and crowd improv comedy show. She creates and sells custom art at K. Coleman Hinner's Art on Instagram, and one time she kidnapped her husband on his birthday. I've cracked the case. It's Karen Coleman Hinner's. Woo! Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you joining us today. We've got some questions about art as we try to track down the podcast. First of all, yeah, like how did you come to art and how would you describe the kind of stuff that you paint? Well, I came to art as just a young child. Just uh, It's just something that (laughs) I grew up with. So right now I paint portraits. I do a lot of uh, house portraits. I do people. I do cats. I do dogs. Um, I'm still looking for uh, someone with a rabbit. I've never painted a rabbit before. (laughs) Um, So uh, if you have any pet at all, please send me a message um, and uh, we can talk about a commission for you. (laughs) And I also do a lot of abstract art, very intuitive, um, meditative art, very colorful. That's all on my Instagram. So I'm merging those things. I really like that blue one on the easel behind you. Is oh, that thank you. Is still that's, in progress? That's in progress, yeah. Sometimes I start something and then I leave it sitting for several weeks or months or <laughs> That's all of longer, us. <laughs> and then and I think about it and I just leave it there and I think about it. Yeah. How would you feel if someone stole one of your paintings? I I have had my pa- actually I was just mentioning this yesterday. Oh, no. I have had my painting stolen before. Um, you, we were talking about mysteries and I guess that qualifies as a mystery, (laughs) but I, I don't care. Um, so I guess I never, (laughs) uh, bothered to find out. I mean, I remember when I was in middle school, somebody stole a sketchbook of mine and I was upset because I was like really working hard on that sketchbook. So, I re- I, th- I decided to take it as um, a compliment, like they liked my drawings, because I would do this thing where I would look up car- pictures of cartoons, you know, as you do in middle school, and you would just try to copy all of the cartoons and be really proud of yourself and show all of your teachers. So I would be like taking my sketchbook around and showing like, oh, look, I drew Snoopy or whatever weird thing <laughs> I was drawing and being very excited about it. One time I had my art hanging at the at a theater that rhymes with Schmupright Schmidison's brigade. And <laughs> I they were supposed to give it back and they never gave it back. And wow. I said, All right, well, can you give me money then? Because <laughs> it's still hanging up. And I sent them like invoices and everything, and they never so that's not really a mystery. I know exactly what happened to that art. Yeah. They just never gave it back to me. <laughs> so it was kind of stolen. But again, I don't care. 
It's a frustrating compliment when someone's like, yeah. we like your art so much, we're going to keep it on your wall, our wall, yeah. but not pay you for it. And mm. Somebody did something to me once on Etsy where they were like trying to make, it was like one of these marketing schemes or like make me thing. And like, and I had like, it was like early on and it was a little thing and it didn't really, I did put some amount of work into it, oh, but yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, one of those things like, give me this and I'll promote you and I'll do that. And um, now I know better. Don't do that. Uh, get get money from your work. So that that irked me at the time. So those are three moments in my life that I recall my art being uh, stolen. But it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Hey, sirrah, sirrah. You live and you learn. <laughs> get your money first. Yeah. Um, that's really what I do now. I get my money first, and then I give the art. Yeah. So coming to some of our more standard uh, questions, how much anime have you seen? My brother was very into anime as, as, as kids. My brother was a big anime fan. He probably still is a big anime fan, part of his life growing up. But I was very into Sailor Moon. I had mm. all the dolls. I had a lot of uh, Sailor Moon paraphernalia. I had uh, like um, wands that I can hit and make sounds and I had makeup cases and I have a, still a keychain. I have a keychain hanging up behind me that I, I take around with me and I show off. Ooh. There was one anime that I really liked that we watched as a kid. And my brother had all the collection of the VHS tapes. It was v, it was definitely VHS. I do need to make it very clear <laughs> that we had a lot of VHS. But it was called Ranma One Half. Do you oh, remember yeah. this? And uh -huh. I love that anime so much. I love I was very, very invested into that anime. It's about um a boy and his dad. They fall into a magical like pond where the last person who dies in that pond there's, there's very much a loophole but the last there's like apparently so many people die in that <laughs> pond or fall into that pond and that's the very last person and then you whenever you get splashed with water you turn into that but like he fell into the pond so when he got splashed with water he turned into a, like a sexy girl with like bouncing bosoms and he like really hated it but then his dad turned into a giant panda. So they would be running around throwing water on each other. And <laughs> there would be very inappropriate scenarios. But you can't really figure out the logic of that. Like, is it like in the order of how they fall into the pond? Like mm -hmm. you just happen to be the girl and you happen to be the giant panda. So I was obsessed with that anime yeah that show was all over the place it was like part like slapstick part romantic comedy yeah. part martial arts anime mm -hmm. uh it's the same mangaka who then later did inuyasha i believe mm -hmm. okay all right we'll have to look that up so i mean i'm not too much in depth with the anime i definitely appreciate a good cartoon i studied um animation in college as like a minor i can very much appreciate the art of it for sure <laughs> And one of the interesting things about the thing that we watched is, Michael, what year was it from? Did you have oh, that written down? I looked at it before. It's got to be the late 70s, early 80s, right? Oh, it was 1983 wow. when it aired. 1983. Oh, wow, really? 1983. Mm -hmm. So, like, going back to a more traditional, like, hand-drawn yeah. art style than some of the yeah. stuff you see today. So, it, it's pretty neat. What about heist films <laughs> or other <laughs> similar kinds of, of movies, books, mm. 
Well, I got Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13. I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot of that, yeah. (laughs) There's a Spanish program called Money Heist or Casa de Papel in Espanol, which is very good. I've watched a few episodes of that. Yeah. Also, there was a zombie heist movie that came out recently that was not good. Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead, yeah. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. It wasn't heisty enough, you know? What were they stealing? more heist. Yeah, money from a zombie-infested Las Vegas. Yeah, the, there was like a vault of money in a hotel in Las Vegas, which was now zombies, so they had to go in and get it. That movie's apparently going to have like five spinoffs. It wasn't like that great. <laughs> I, mean, I, re- I really wanted it to be better. I did. because yeah. I, I was really hoping they would put more heist tropes over it. Maybe, maybe a few gymnastics musical numbers. yeah it was like not enough it was like maybe a scene about that planes driving into trucks maybe yeah (laughs) something like that and have you ever seen i'll i'll broaden it to our usual topic either any kind of mystery anime detective anime or heist anime before no this was my first one awesome my first one there's at least a couple different shows that do this thing of like, you know, thieves with calling cards, stealing mm-hmm. things, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's that's why we're that's one of the reasons why we're here doing it. Yeah. Um, also, because on some of the detective shows, they have recurring thief characters that they face off against. Mm-hmm. Well, the big one that people would know these days in terms of like thief anime, I guess, either the game or the anime version of Persona 5. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, where they're. They are phantom thieves with calling cards, doing heists inside people's brains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's really cool. I was thinking about that, and then I forgot to put it on my list, so yeah. we probably won't watch it right away. Shoot. Mike, we got to start talking about this anime. What do we need to know about Cat's Eye? So Cat's Eye are the adventures of three sisters who run a coffee shop by day and steal treasures by night in order to recollect uh, their father, who is who has disappeared, recollect all the pieces of, of his collection in order to figure out what has happened to him. While the middle sister, Hitomi, is secretly dating. Well, not secretly, but like he doesn't know that they're the cat's eye thieves, but she's dating him and he's the cop who's assigned to catch them. And this is the various things that happen in that scenario. You didn't mention an important detail, which is that the coffee shop that they run is also called Cat's Eye. Right. The Cat's Eye (laughs) coffee shop. It's just a coincidence. Don't look here for the Cat's Eye thieves, anybody. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to get more into the, the premise and the setup and the different characters. But we've had a problem, Karen, lately. Yes. In our household where... Michael keeps singing parts of the theme song from the show. I love the theme song. (laughs) Did you also find it catchy? Yeah. Uh, Passion fruit. It's night (laughs) in the city and everything is passion fruit. Love it. And I wrote love it. And then it's like, we get you, mystery girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My favorite lines are, we get you, mysterious girl. And... Magic play is dancing, which I can't decipher what that's supposed to mean. These are all the uh, (laughs) English words they intersperse in between the Japanese lyrics. Yeah, There's an ending song, too. And I know we're not at the end of the show yet, but I almost like the ending song better. And I was like really wanting to look up those words and memorize them and <laughs> put it on your workout playlist. Put, yeah, definitely a workout song. <laughs> words of inspiration. 
What did you think of the visuals of the opening song? Okay, let me think. Let me think to the visuals of the opening song. I might, I might want to just put this on, yeah, like, silent on my computer just to jog my memories <laughs> because I can't quite remember the visuals of the opening song. It's both very distinctive and very uh, not generic. Yeah, a lot of leotards, both the opening and the ending. I thought it was almost sci-fi because there's all these laser lights and kind of like mist and stuff. Mm, okay. There's- yes. Oh, it's very classic. It's very classic. Sort of like the things turning into other things and then a face is just sort of coming out of the shadows and there's lots of flowing hair and then maybe like, a sl- is that a sword? Is that sunlight? We don't know. It's like slice, you know. And they're all shooting lasers out of their eyes. They do a little bit. <laughs> They're cat's eyes. Fall in love with just one sip. If a sweet melody rides on the wind tonight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, a secret door will open. <laughs> That's the part that they sort of like just drop singing for a moment. It's almost, it's like the singer gets frustrated and just says, I'm just going to say this part because there's too many <laughs> syllables. <laughs> there's like beams coming out of the eyes. Um, lots of layers. It's like, I, I don't think Photoshop existed at this time, if you're saying, but it definitely looks like some of the early things that I, when I was learning how to do Photoshop and how to collage like different <laughs> layers on. So mm-hmm. you would have like the text and then the face and then like a texture. Yeah, I have no idea how they did this. What I found strange about the opening is it's like clearly, like, I don't know if it was made before they did the rest of the show or like directed by somebody else, but the art style is slightly different. And it's like, they don't look like the sisters do in the show. Like, first of all, all three look like one person. Like it looks like one person. Yeah. It's identical with the hair. Yeah. You could watch this and think this is about one person. I did think it was like one person who is just sort of three, like (laughs) three different personalities or something like it's a little confusing. Yeah. It's a good song. Everybody who is listening to this is now obligated to f- listen to both the opening and ending songs for cat size. <laughs> Whether or not you listen to the episode, you are like 20 minutes into our podcast episode and you have now obligated yourself to listen to this yeah. song because um, it will make your day. And it's available on Spotify. If you just look for cat's eye by Henri. Yeah. Cat's eye episode one. You're a sexy thief. It's very good. I just, I just was looking to see because I watched a lot of the Studio Ghibli Ghibli movies too, mm-hmm. which is my other anime thing that I'm into. But I, I'm like, are any of them heist like? Yeah, that was a that was a question that you asked me like ten minutes ago. Oh yeah, Castle of Cagliostro okay. is one thousand percent. We're going to cover it. Okay, is that a Studio Ghibli film? Yeah, I know it's directed by Miyazaki. Yeah, it's a Studio Ghibli film. Is it not? I'd lose my mind with misunderstanding that for years if it's not. You'll tell us in two Miyazaki. weeks when you do yes, all the research. Okay. So, yeah, that was – sorry. That was a question you asked me like 15 minutes ago. So that's I okay. answered just now. Oh, it was, on, it was only directed by Miyazaki. It is not a Studio Ghibli film. I did not know that. Huh. Mm. Well, it's, it's close because most of those <laughs> movies were directed by <laughs> – <laughs> if you haven't seen Castle of Cagliostro, you should definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's see what happens in this show. We'll talk about Cat's Eye in a second. 
but first, like, just there's a cold open where they pull off this heist. Mm. With the brightest flash bomb that has ever been set off in the history of time. Like, the sun. Like, I thought it was the sun. I thought he was getting a message from the sun. Like, he looked at the sun and was like, oh, my God, the sun is big. I have to go. <laughs> Do we know if this is Tokyo or not? Or it's just generic Japanese city? I don't know. They bothered to say. I, I think it is because... It crosses over with City Hunter, and City Hunter takes place in Tokyo. Oh, we didn't mention City Hunter. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but they're in the same. They're in the same city, so I think so. Yeah, we watched the City Hunter movie from 2019, in which Cat's Eye makes a brief appearance. It's by the same comic artist. Um, wow, a crossover. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm led to believe they've crossed over more than once. Apparently, <laughs> but uh, we can't quite recommend that movie. Okay. Mm. Unless you want to watch a guy perv out about a million times and get hit by a woman with a hammer about a million times because he's a pervert. Some people like that. (laughs) (laughs) A very big hammer. It's like a Harley Quinn hammer. Mm -hmm. So there's a flash bomb in the sky. And then they do they use a giant claw machine to get this thing out of the gallery? It's like a claw from a helicopter, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. There it's a giant claw machine. (laughs) And they never would have guessed they would have used a giant claw from a helicopter. (laughs) Uh, Also important is how do they make their getaway from this first one? (laughs) Roller skates. Ah, roller skates. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The roller skates versus cars thing was so funny. The one girl clearly is like the getaway driver, but she just shows up on roller skates. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, come on, girls. (laughs) They go yeah. through an alley. I enjoy that the younger sister is like responsible for the getaways, but yeah, like you don't need someone to bring you roller skates. You could just yeah. have them. <laughs> <laughs> they should just wear Heelys. They won't even have to yeah. chain. Different wasn't they weren't invented yet. It's very nice also that they wear two different colored scarves so that we can tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, you can tell the youngest sister apart, but the the middle sister and the older sister, like in a lot of shots, they're like pretty samey. Yeah. They do act a little different. Mm-hmm. That's not obvious right away. Why do the cops think that they can go through that al- through that alleyway and they smash into? <laughs> they're going so fast, like you can't. They, why did they decide to just see if they can fit? And they <laughs> smash through this tiny opening in the wall. Harry Potter wasn't out yet, so they couldn't have like seen that movie where the cars shrink and <laughs> weave between things. But they definitely. <laughs> try to drive into an alley and just crash Mm -hmm. and all the cars crash i love also how they do these robberies with these like off the shoulder kind of evening (laughs) gown tops (laughs) you know yeah they're like cat suits (laughs) but they're like a little bit like a gown yeah because i know from being a woman that you would need like a sleeveless (laughs) bra to do those things and like sleeveless bras are very uncomfortable they're not comfortable Mm. Because it's just like a wire around your chest that is very tight and it's just holding you. I'm like, they're not as comfortable as they look, these girls. (laughs) Anime has definitely invented a whole new branch of physics for women's breasts in the real world. We were just watching a review for a game yesterday and it's like... Like each of her breasts were bigger than my head, but like her, <laughs> all she had was like a weird, like ripped up thing. Like there was nothing in the middle. It was just like ripped up shirt, like kind of, it was no good. It was no yeah, good. I mean, yeah, maybe they have tape. Maybe they use tape. <laughs> Cosplayers use a lot of tape. Cosplayers have to. You have to use a lot of tape, but 
I says, this is what I think about when I watch these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And um, when they get to the big main heist at the end, and she is like trying to avoid touching the floor or the lasers and crawling on a tiny wire. I imagine that could present a real issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you had big boobs, that could really, <laughs> if you were like stick thin, but your boobs like came out like so far, you wouldn't be able to not hit the wires. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So, right. So once they d- make their getaway, we get the title card and the title of the episode is You're a Sexy Thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just a title, like the episode isn't per- super sexy, like they're drawn mm-hmm. sexy, like we've said, but there's, yeah. it's, it just is. Hmm. Well, they have a weird date at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he's a grown man. I love that. He's a grown man. I can't (laughs) go on errands to stores. (laughs) This man is the police responsible for catching Cat's Eye. He's dating Hitomi, who's the middle sister. Yeah. And first of all, like, he just tells her everything. Yeah about all the defenses and everything they know about Cat's Eye. Yeah. And she, for some reason, has to get him out of the store, so she comes up with an errand to go grocery shopping. Yeah. There's- <laughs> that was pretty fun. And then they stopped to get ice cream, but like yeah. they just had their groceries on the table, and they were sitting down outside eating ice cream. Yeah. I hope they didn't get anything fr- any frozen foods, because no. that's melting. No, they got coffee beans, Coffee filters, toilet paper, dish soap. I remember everything she bought. You wrote down all the stuff that she <laughs> yeah, bought. Yeah, toilet paper. No, it's just most of it was in English, so I remembered yeah. all of it. <laughs> I actually did. Let's wait. Back up before the grocery scene. I actually did love that second scene where he reveal the reveal that he's dating one of the burglars because it was like a slow reveal for this pilot episode. I think it mm-hmm. was a nice step up. He goes into a cafe. There are girls. They turn around. Oh, these must be the same girls. Oh, they're all the girls. Oh, there's a cat here. Is this a cat cafe? Oh, then you go back out and it's like, oh, cat's eye. (laughs) All three girls work at the cat's eye and their burglars called cat's eye. And they look exactly like the burglars. And he walks. And I thought it was a really nice sort of build and reveal. So you're like following along the way. Oh, no, he's dating one of them. (laughs) Whoa. Huge suspension of disbelief. Yeah. He doesn't notice because he even is like, you need to change the name of your store because it's named after thieves. And he's and Hitomi is like, just catch them. And then we don't have to change the name of our store. (laughs) But it's her. Oh, and then there's this weird thing. And I'm like, I think I got to watch more episodes because I want to find out. Because he's like, I will never get married until I catch the thieves. (laughs) But one of the thieves is the woman he wants to marry. Oh, my God. (laughs) But that's so ironic. If you catch the thieves, you won't get married. But you won't get married until you catch the thieves. (laughs) This show is trying to be silly and fun. And yeah, and I think that's the thing that makes it so fun. Like over and over again, there's these moments where someone says something like that that's ironic. Mm-hmm. Like Hitomi straight up tells him that he doesn't need to catch Cat's Eye. Oh, right, right, right. And then later on, so there's the curator of the museum. There's this jewel that he's trying to protect from Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye always is like announces that they're going to steal stuff and sends calling cards. So they know it's being targeted. And he puts a fake one on display and puts the real one in an underground vault. 
and Toshio is like, we want to put police outside the vault. And the guy is like, putting police outside the vault would be like announcing to Cat's Eye that the real one is a fake. And actually, <laughs> just a few scenes ago, he actually just straight up told Cat's Eye that the <laughs> yeah. real one is a fake. <laughs> so you don't need to announce yeah. it to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the fun, like, on-the-nose naming doesn't stop with the cafe because uh, the three sisters are effectively, like, named in the vein of cat's eye uh so we can we haven't really introduced them so i'll go ahead and yeah, go through them it. so the eldest sister the cool collected one uh <laughs> that would be kisugi rui and rui uh, is composed of the kanji uh namida which means tears uh so that's her fun eye pun uh the middle sister who's like the protagonist she's the one who's in love with the detective she's the one sort of the perspective character from us the episode that's kisugi hitomi and hitomi just means eyes just straight up means eyes uh, and then the youngest sister, uh, Kisugi Ai. Ai means love, but it's also just the English word Ai. So they all, they're all named after eyes. <laughs> That's, funny. That's funny. I took down some notes on the characters and there's like a long Wikipedia description of each one of them attempting to dis- differentiate between them. So the middle sister is the one who like does the heist and carries them out and she's the one dating Toshio. That's Hitomi. Her skills include, get ready for this, okay. horseback riding, safe cracking, gymnastics and acrobatics escaping from handcuffs she's ambidextrous and double jointed judo boxing karate kendo aikido disguise and she's multilingual wow that's a lot it's crazy the oldest sister rui is also master of disguise and multilingual she's also supposed to be a good actress so i guess she does that most of the time and she plans the heists also it described her as fashionable she also can fly plane she's also a pilot that's the young one Oh, yeah, that's the 16 year old. (laughs) The one who's still in high school. Yeah. I who means I, I, I. Rui's skills, if you're if if you can believe it, are model good looks, sophistication, car racing, hang gliding, parachuting, helicopters and motorcycles, roller skating, skateboarding, martial arts, electronics, handguns and scuba diving. The thing is, is though, I didn't see much disguise on this show. They didn't really, they don't have a really good disguise. They could have put on a mask. They must do that in later episodes. Yeah, there were no disguises here. Because I did feel like they pulled a few like very specific misdirections and stuff like at the very end. And I'm like, they can't do that every time. They have to come up with more and more elaborate ways to get away probably. Mm -hmm. I is the youngest sister. She's in high school. Wikipedia describes her as spunky and tomboyish. She has a genius level IQ, so she makes... It's because she has short hair. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes her tomboyish, but also spunky. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you tell. (laughs) She does have the kind of hair that, like, my mom had in high school, but that was about at least 10 years before this. Sorry, mom. (laughs) This is a verbatim sentence from the Wikipedia page. Quote, being a high school girl, she also has a pet tabby kitten called Tiger. Being a high school girl. (laughs) (laughs) And she just throws, the one scene she just throws the cat on him. And he's like, (laughs) she just throws it on his face. (laughs) It's weird. I love it. Um, Michael had sent me there was a 1997 live action movie based on this cool. Japanese <laughs> when I was watching that I was just like oh this is was Catwoman before Catwoman the movie wow. they have like leather 
cat suits and everything is cats and Halle Berry's not in it, but I have a question. Yeah. Wait, maybe I'll find out later though. But it's not immediately evident in this episode what they're doing with the art. Where are they putting it? There was like a little teaser, like they're trying to solve this mystery of their father, but we don't know anything more about that. So maybe in the later episodes we find out. But where do you hide that giant statue? If you're stealing a giant statue. Well, we saw where they hid the uh, the Queen's Tear at the end of the episode, actually. Yeah, and that is just like, <laughs> me- do you remember Men in Black? Yeah. That's what that reminded me of, where... The dog had the co- the collar and they were oh, right, with for little... Orion's belt and they yeah. just meant like the collar on the dog that was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was the very last scene. They had stolen the gem and Toshio came in to complain and he noticed the cat now was wearing the jewel and they just told yeah. him it was a fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he believes them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Toshio... He's the only other person who I have a name note for. And just because the kanji that make up his name, Toshio, are the kanji for handsome and husband. I just thought I would mention that. Handsome husband. (laughs) Maybe that's his destiny. (laughs) So he's got some aspects about him. (laughs) I mean, they're walking an interesting line with him. Like, on the one hand, he's very clueless because he's dating Cat's Eye. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, like... He he makes some good recommendations here. Like he's clearly kind of on to them in some ways, but also consistently one step behind and always failing. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed the character of the police chief. The very small <laughs> boss, part, yeah. like the boss. And one of my favorite things about anime is, is how characters will get literally bent out of shape. Like when something <laughs> crazy happens and they're like, body like contorts and they like freeze or like their legs over their head and their hands this way and they they're like in crazy positions like you better catch these thieves and they go and they can't (laughs) (laughs) freeze frame Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite things about uh animes yeah the a couple times the boss is basically like you keep letting them get away and it turns out that this is the sixth time that Cat's Eye has gotten away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing about Cat's Eye is that they always will write a letter to tell them exactly what they're going to steal next. Mm-hmm. That's part of the uh, <laughs> Arsene crazy. Lupin Phantom Thief shtick where you uh, yeah. declare that you're going to steal something before you steal it. Yeah, the calling card. There's really no reason to. They're just playing <laughs> around with them because if there's their reason to steal is to solve this mystery of their father, that w- this seems like an added layer that has nothing to do with their original intent to steal. You could argue that because they are literally have access to the detective in charge of investigating their crimes, mm-hmm. like because they announce their crime, they learn about all the preparations because he mm, tells them okay. about it. If they didn't send the letter, there wouldn't be any preparations to learn about and it would just be where it's supposed to be. So that's <laughs> not fun. <laughs> There's a whole bit in the middle where Hitomi is kind of angsty about Toshio, like in the whole situation there. Rui says, as long as Toshio is a detective, he will be our enemy, even if he is your boyfriend. Oh, wow. (laughs) This this whole setup and this whole idea. It is nice once in a while to see like a woman not telling the man something rather than like the man. Oh, yeah. The way they gaslight Toshio in this is such like for me mental payback from the way Conan is always gaslighting Ron. 
in, in <laughs> Detective Conan, the other, the other show we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's the opposite. A detective spending lots of time with a girl and lying to her instead of her lying to him. So Yeah, but they have fun. He's just in the cafe and he's like, I'll, I'll never catch him. Like, oh, you need, yeah. you don't need to catch him yeah. or hurry up and catch hurry up and catch him already. <laughs> <laughs> you up. can do it. <laughs> I did notice that they have no other customers in that cafe <laughs> ever. And they just sit around drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. There was one scene maybe in a montage where I think they served a customer. <laughs> and yeah, and I like had to write it down because I was like, oh, there is there's someone else in here. Well, this episode <laughs> takes place on a Sunday, so maybe it's not their busiest day. Oh, maybe they get a lot oh, of traffic right. from people going to work. We mentioned that I is a high schooler, but it's so heavy handed at the beginning when they're like, I, why aren't you in school, you high school student? <laughs> it's Sunday. <laughs> the way they characterize I as a high schooler actually like threw me for a loop for a little bit. Because like in modern shows and modern anime, like if the, like they, they have like a 25-year-old actress will play a high schooler or the like the a high schooler will look like a full-blown adult. Or they'll at least be wearing the uniform all everywhere they go. So you right. could just tell that they're in school. <laughs> but like she acts like a kid, but like also. 16-year-olds are absolutely kids and absolutely act like kids. So it's like, (laughs) this is actually a little bit closer to how a 16-year-old probably acts. (laughs) She maybe acts like a 14-year-old. Unless you've watched Dawson's Creek. (laughs) (laughs) I have not. They're all 30 years old in high school Mm -hmm. with very advanced vocabulary. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because Dear Evan Hansen, is like getting reviews around the time when we're recording this episode. And one of the reviews I read, like there's all this discussion back and forth. Ben Platt is 27 years old and he plays, you know, a high school student because it was the part he played on Broadway. And people were like, one of the reasons this is so weird is because Hollywood doesn't do it anymore, but they used to. Like if you think about like all the teen high school comedies, like 10 Things I Hate About You and that era, like those were those people were all like 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just a different thing. Oh, also another other example they gave was Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man because he was a high school student in that first movie. Was he? Yeah. Tobey Maguire was? Yeah. In the first Spider-Man movie in 2003, wow. he was supposed to be. A, a I mean, he was playing student. a high school student. He certainly wasn't high school age. No, the, the actor wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. The actor was 20 something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I like that better. Stop making teenagers celebrities. It's annoying. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's, <laughs> it's tough like for not them. fair. At least let them go to college. See, that's why because they went, they graduated high school, they went to acting school, they got went on auditions, and this is the youngest that you could possibly be after graduating high school and getting into. <laughs> Maybe I'm just salty because I wasn't a, a child star mm. myself. Doesn't work yeah. out for every child star. Look no, at Macaulay Culkin; he's just kind of chilling now. Living his life, he's doing okay. I he's think living his life, he's living his best yeah. life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if not, there's a lot of Culkins to <laughs> a lot of backup Culkins. <laughs> Is that true? Well, there's his brother question mark that was in a uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, what? There's like several Culkins. Yeah, Wallace was played by a Culkin. How many, dear Google? Kieran how Culkin. many Culkins are there? <laughs> <laughs> Love Noah. How many Culkins? (laughs) Let me ask Jeeves over here. Jeeves, how many Culkins are there? Five boys and three girls. I told you. Oh my God, there's so many Culkins. And their aunt is Bonnie Bedelia. There you go. 
who was who is an American actress. I've never heard of her. She was Holly McLean and Die Hard and Die Hard 2. I haven't seen those. I saw them. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we got, we got off topic a little bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. Our, our attention was stolen by the Culkin family thieves. Yeah. Oh, God. I would love that if they were all secretly like a group of, of phantom thieves. <laughs> Isn't that the plot of um, Muppets Most Wanted? That the Culkin family are phantom thieves? Well, the, the Muppets are like touring, but some of them are actually thieves. I think so, I yeah. Seen, I haven't seen Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> or they have to steal something for some reason. It's always a good reason. Let's talk about the museum curator and also his machinations. Mm-hmm. So you said he looked a bit like a tanuki. Can you describe for me what he looks like? Sure. He's got like sort of the baggy under eyes and the pinch face and he's got those little spectacles and his like hair is like greased back and kind of balding and he's a very rectangular human being. That's a shape. Very rectangular. Yeah. Sort of like the character, like if you look at, if you've ever seen the Japanese like Tanuki statues, it's that like yeah, squarish Yeah, he does have a Tanuki shape. statue shape. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, he is like, I put a fake gem on display. The real one is in the vault. Which is a little bit like fraud. We cannot (laughs) put any police near the vault because then they'll know the other one is a fake. So it's completely unguarded, although there are a lot of traps. He also mentions the traps. I bet they do that. I bet some museums do that with their, they rotate because you have to rotate things around in museums. Just for archival reasons, too. Like if you're displaying Mm -hmm. a book, you can't just leave the same, you know, spread of pages open on the books. You have to turn the pages like that sort of thing. So I bet they Mm -hmm. have like put something there while the other one is away type of thing or I bet that's a common occurrence. That's my bet. I think I I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly because I was pretty young, but I think the first time I went to the Smithsonian they were supposed to have the Hope Diamond on display and like literally we wanted to see it. And there was a sign that was like, this is a replica. We are currently cleaning the Hope Diamond. And I was like, well, what a what a ripoff. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. I'd rather have see a replica than just a sign that says, come back later. No, what you do is you put the real one out with a sign that says it's the replica. So no one bothers to ah, steal it. Ah, sneaky. I believe I've heard before that there are definitely like some some fake paintings in some museums that just haven't been identified as um as fake. That's a true thing too. There's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of counterfeit paintings in <laughs> museums. Well, if it was painted in the 1600s, you don't have like a yeah. 3D scan of it. You can't like check the brush strokes. So if it's good enough of a copy, like how would you ever know? And do- and doesn't matter unless you like carb- carbon dated, I guess. But what if someone counterfeited a painting like five years yeah. like after it was painted in the 1600s? Some, you can't even carbon date some it. Really great documentaries on Netflix uh, like that. Um, Art of the Steel. That's one that's about I think the the barns here in. Um, Ooh yeah. Philadelphia, and then see this is the information that we need to track down <laughs> our podcast. There was an art heist in uh, Boston at the, I talked about this on a previous podcast I was on that just ironically happened to be about uh, art thieves, about the Isabella Gardner (laughs) Museum, where there was like this, this huge uh, art heist at this museum in the 90s. And they still, they never figured out who did it or uh, where the art is. (laughs) They don't know. They, they. (laughs) 
can figure it out. And they still haven't found their father. They still haven't found Because they can't get the art back. I thought so. So there was actually, this was a few months ago. um, Someone was like putting, posing as the curator of, of a museum and posted posters all around Philadelphia like a missing Picasso drawing that was stolen and offering a $10,000 award and didn't actually happen. Like it wasn't really stolen. I don't know if anyone knows why they did that. I almost, I want to like the internet person in me, internet person anyway, wants to like, well, maybe they were trying to do like a, a weird art thing or like a ARG or something, but it's a very strange thing. It was a completely fake art theft. They just put up missing posters for it. I have yet to hear about any real life art thefts by three. (laughs) women (laughs) i am trying to remember this other uh interesting art documentary that i just watched and i'm gonna i'm gonna remember the name while (laughs) and i'm gonna let you know because um this woman it's an art she had she owned this art gallery and what she was unknowingly doing was selling forgeries uh, because the people she was buying these forgeries from were so convincing. So the, the, the story unfolds where people are not that convinced that this woman didn't know she was selling forgeries. So they would, people would be shelling out, you know, million dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars for these, for these designs that were so convincingly that artists work. So, I mean, art thief, art, uh, art heists happen every day, uh, all Mm. around you (laughs) every, uh, 10 seconds. By the time I finish this sentence, an art somewhere in the world, someone will be forging and selling art. (laughs) I'm now remembering a bunch of anime and anime adjacent things involving art thefts. So there's the third or fourth section of persona five the game that we mentioned Mm -hmm. which is essentially an art heist sort of thing yeah um there is in one of the ace attorney games one of the first ones in the trilogy there's someone who's replicating art maybe there is it's like a child there's certainly that arc of the great pretender oh yeah i was gonna say the great pretender which is a great anime on netflix about con con people Mm -hmm. uh the second set of that is about that the live action Japanese TV show Miss Sherlock has an episode uh. about about paintings being stolen from museums and stuff. And then the last thing is the French Netflix series Lupin. Okay. Lupin. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen it. Yeah. Did you see it all the way through? It was I, so good. I saw I watched the first episode and it was very good. Um, I think I think they um I watched there's another documentary called Made You Look, a true story about fake art and that's that's on uh, netflix too well if y'all excuse me i'm actually going to step away for just a minute but i'm going to take this photo of myself out from between my breasts and throw it at my camera (laughs) so you will think i'm still here we're not there yet (laughs) (laughs) i knew you were up to something i knew well now that you've said that you actually have to go leave okay bye (laughs) come back um it is pretty easy to like fake a zoom call for a very brief amount of time you could certainly put up a still image of yourself mm-hmm. and people might they just think you were frozen or something so okay so they're gonna do this heist we know a bunch of the setup toshio is there he's not happy because the curator is not letting taking his advice mm-hmm. how do 
Rui and Hitomi arrive at the museum. On hang gliders. Hang gliders. Rui gets very mad at Hitomi for like stumbling when she lands and bringing her hang glider. But I have to imagine, it's very difficult to land a hang glider in the dark on the top of a rooftop of a city building in heels. Well, that's why she doesn't land very gracefully. Because she just <laughs> wanted to show the reality of the situation. Right? How did they get up so high? In a city. Like, they must have come from a taller building. I mean, it's a mountainous country. They came from the mountains. I mean, I, I was thinking maybe a plane. Maybe they... Can you jump out of a plane on a hang glider? No, you need a really big door. No, you can't do Yeah, that. unless it's like a anime, like, unbelievable unfolding hang glider that somehow works like Kaido Kids does. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, how did they get up that high? That is a very good question. They just took the wind. Yeah, because hang gliders only go forward or down. There's no up no, no, unless no, you just no, no, swell, no. They right? were on the ground and they waited for the wind. They licked their fingers <laughs> up in the air to see which way the wind was going and they just ran. Not a lot of wind swells in the middle of Tokyo, right? They're so petite that the wind just picked them up mm. and they just flew like a leaf, like a tanuki leaf on the breeze. <laughs> oh, that's it, the tanuki leaf. Yeah. So it's like Mario 3. They just got a running start mm -hmm. and when their meter started going beep, 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 then, then they yeah, jumped and they, and they flew up. away. Yes. If I learned anything from Immortals Phoenix Rising, I learned about how to gain height while gliding from just, you know, you know, when there's like a fan in the ground that's just blowing air directly up. Yeah, yeah the giant fans that are on the ground. Yeah. And you hang glide over yeah. it and it blows you up. I mean, in Philly, we have like these smoke vents. I bet you could get some yeah. or, you know, the stinky, stinky subway vents. I bet you could get some hang glider air in Philly <laughs> off of those. I think you could get a little. That's hum. how the uh, spider lantern flies get yes. around. <laughs> if you do not live in the philadelphia area and you not have not heard about the uh, blight of the spotted lantern flies oh, they're all over the country it's not just philadelphia no, they're, not. They're, not. they're not no i what? mean they're making their way they're making their way across the country they haven't made their... oh no it's our fault yeah i mean we've killed them. thousands of them so just the thing to do is just always be killing spotted lantern flies whenever you see them but they smack in you i've been smacked Mm -hmm. into by spotted lanternflies several times this summer. ABKSL. Yep, always be killing spotted lantern flies. <laughs> you, you oh, maybe the F, Noah. I know, I think lanternfly is one word. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so the other thing I liked is as they were landing, there's like a th the building kind of rotates and it's clear like there's a lot of CG in anime now, but this was like they... Th drew the building over and over again as it was rotating which was pretty mm -hmm. fancy i thought well i get i'm i'm onto them these are still images that they're just turning to make it look like they've animated <laughs> a lot of times for sure <laughs> <laughs> just like zoom in zoom out that's just a picture when we started to watch a lot of anime that was something i definitely noticed is how much they use still images mm -hmm. like sometimes you'll even just get like if someone's walking across the street it's like five images of, of them at different points because <laughs> they don't pay to animate <laughs> well my favorite is, is like an action like some kind of attack in like an action anime where they're like shooting a beam or shooting something and it's just like yeah. it's one single still image of the character and they yeah. just go ah and they slide back yeah. and forth like they just show it three times sliding three just to make it take up more space well, i mean theoretically it's all still images just drawn a lot like a lot of still images a like a little flip <laughs> but you know the less the less um frames uh you have per second the choppier it's gonna look mm -hmm. and the less you have to pay animators 
to make fewer of them. There was a very dumb piece of controversy on Twitter the past two days about the last two God of War games where they reused the animation of him docking and undocking a rowboat. But it's like, it's the same character doing the same action. Who cares if they used it in two games? It's a very complicated thing to animate. Let them use it twice. Shut up, internet. (laughs) Oh, but what you don't understand, Michael, is that the first time, like, he was having a good day and he was very energetic. And the second Mm. time, his son had just died. So, like, he should have been... His son was on the boat in both of those. It was he was totally <laughs> I, I fine. Haven't, I haven't played the games. <laughs> Disney reused so many of their animations. You can go on YouTube and find like they drew over them. They drew yeah. over them like Snow White and Cinderella. It's one thing if it's like they're running. If it's like the same dance sequence mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, they're doing the same dance mm-hmm. in three movies, yeah. like it's fine. But also like it's really obvious. <laughs> yeah, but they were also doing that at a time before home video. <laughs> and the movies weren't out at the same time. So it's like you had seen that movie like five mm. years before and you weren't going to watch them you right next to each other. people drawing every single frame. So and there would be the people they were hired just specifically to drew the in-between frames to. Yeah. So they were saving money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's see this infiltration (laughs) they have 15 minutes until i is going to come to pick them up once again she is on the getaway Mm -hmm. and i think already in the second episode she's like whining about not getting to do the heist and just being the getaway girl (laughs) it gets to fly the plane into a yeah that's that's very that's the most fun part yeah also i will say i appreciate it when an anime uses like a set amount of time or a time limit and then mostly honors that like in respect to the amount of time that's depicted passing Mm -hmm. because sometimes in like dragon ball super for example it'd be like oh my god in 10 minutes the world's gonna blow up and it's like 10 episodes later and they're like in nine episodes the world's gonna blow up (laughs) it's like i'm pretty sure i've been watching this for the past month (laughs) yeah i didn't send you an article that i read yesterday that was like kotaku or something michael that was saying they think recent shonen anime are an improvement because they take breaks rather than doing filler or trying to stretch things out Mm -hmm. because that was what was happening with dragon ball was they had to slow things down because they were catching up the manga was being written they were adapting it into the anime Mm -hmm. and because they were catching up they're like well let's make this one page take three episodes That's why you have entire episodes of Dragon Ball that are just about him shouting and powering up. Literally, just literally, just the whole. They time. needed to do that with Game of Thrones. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> just take a break. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones—the way that got adapted into a TV show—is very much like the same things that yeah. happened to some shown in anime. Like it just got it much like. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. They just came up with a yeah. completely different shitty ending. It's, if they slowed down, it still would have been perfectly acceptable and enough stuff. Like they could have done like a, two seasons for, for one book, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like it's one thing to watch a massacre in an episode. It's another <laughs> thing to watch a massacre for three seasons. <laughs> That's the Dragon Ball approach. Well, you know, you know how it is. So they go down the elevator shaft and they get to the vault and they do this trick with the camera that michael joked about which is like such an 80s thing before there are like (laughs) computer systems to hack or whatever because it's probably an analog camera they they have an exact picture of the empty vault that they just put right on the camera lens so it looks (laughs) like nothing's moving and so they say they make some comment like so-and-so's research is very thorough you know, like, how did they get that mm-hmm. picture? Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I, I does all it. the pre. Oh, Iron Man has joined our call. It looks like everyone. <laughs> oh, does it work? Does the trick yeah. work? No, because I can see the reflection of the monitor. Mm. On the frame. <laughs> 
Okay, well. Only use matte finish photos for such things, Noah. But yes, uh, so the youngest sister, I, she does all the escape stuff, but she also does all the pre-research. But wouldn't she have had to go in and get that picture? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. She's sneaky, I guess. I don't know. We'll never find out the how or why. She's a sneaky tanuki. Well, it's funny you say that because this is just something I caught just hearing the language of it. They kept calling the curator tanuki. Yeah. Uh, but they actually, the first person who called him that was I when they only tr- they translated the line as, yeah, I didn't let anything fall through the cracks because they were talking about her research. But she clearly said Tanuki. So I knew she, she was talking about the curator. He had already referred to him as a Tanuki, Toshio did in an earlier scene in the first half of the episode. I wrote it down. A sneaky Tanuki, a lousy Tanuki, and an old Tanuki. <laughs> but yeah, what I'm saying, though, is that I also called him a Tanuki, but they just, they subtitled the line as as if she was saying something else she just said yeah i didn't let anything fall through the cracks so i think maybe they didn't quite understand what she was saying or something oh interesting so okay so now that they've got to the vault rui just knows the code to this d3 rhs numerical keypad which they talk about as if it's a big deal well it looked like she put it in debug mode or something like she cracked it without knowing the combo she just knew how to handle it yeah and then in the vault right there's the laser sights above the ground and they throw a cord on the ground and it melts because of the high voltage so they harpoon gun a line across which she has to shimmy under the lasers yeah she puts her hair up but she doesn't do anything to secure the rest of her. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems to work out. Yeah, and she's got this like flowing scarf around her waist that could really get into... One hopes she like wrapped it around her or something, right? Or it's non-conductive. If it doesn't conduct electricity, then it's fine. And then like through the little circular door, there's a big vault with lots of drawers in it and she's pulling stuff out. They're running out of time. She's not finding it. She just throws a Tanuki statue onto the ground and the jewel smashes out from inside. A little self-acknowledgement on the part of the curator that he has a Tanuki statue he hides things in. <laughs> yeah. Is he expecting someone to get this far into the vault and this is like his last thing? Or is that just like whatever? Like it's not a very good. He could have put it in like a puzzle box or something that's rigged (laughs) to release poisonous gas. One would argue you could smash a puzzle box instead of doing the puzzle if you're willing to smash a statue. (laughs) You could also take the puzzle box and figure that out later. Right. That Lupin the Third movie we watched a little while back had a great puzzle box that was going to blow up the whole plane or something. Yep. But whatevs. And then on her way back, the wire snaps and Rui has to hold it so she can get through. At the same time that they are like going up to the roof, roof, Toshio notices what's going on so that like everything can come together. And a couple times they've used instrumental versions of the cat's eye theme. And here they like full on have the person say some like mysterious girl. (laughs) Okay, girls, here we go. (laughs) As they jump onto the ladder out of the bottom of this plane. Yep. Uh, I real I I thought the tension in these scenes were very good. It was very it was very uh, movie like when you're watching the movie and you're like, oh god, what's gonna happen? Are they so? Uh, good storytelling there. Good storytelling. Also, um, something that happens a lot in movies: the uh, chasing a plane with a bunch of cars. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems like it should be difficult. Yeah. They got that Doppler radar, that that weather, the weather balloon catching them on the, <laughs> I don't know how they <laughs> figured out where the... They do figure out, yeah, where it's going to land. Yeah. But as they, yeah, there's lights out and a landing strip at the Tokyo Queen Country Club. Mm-hmm. And another guy, Mr. Nagaishi, who is like their friend and acquaintance mm-hmm. who helps them with stuff. I wonder about him. Like, I, I don't have enough context to know, but like yeah. he comes off as like... 
a little malevolent because they have him when she's out like doing her grocery shopping having smoochy smoochy time with toshio he's like lurking above and he's like a little malevolent right you know that's that was creepy but when you describe it as smoochy smoochy time and then say that he's watching it it's even creepier Mm -hmm. that's what happened he was watching smoochy smoochy time if it's like these are first i was like oh he's charlie and they're the angels you know but then i'm like no that's not right right maybe this is their dad's butler and their dad who is missing and this is the butler who i bet this guy did it i've solved the crime i bet this guy knows everything i suspect that's the case as well and he's just trying to get the collection through them i'll bet he's manipulating them well yeah you need like a long-term character that's the, if there's throughout the series, who becomes important, and he could be that guy for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The this guy's got their dad in like a basement somewhere and is trying to get the girls to get the. Or it could be the opposite thing. He could just be like, he's trying to train up his daughters and he could rip off his mask and be like, <laughs> it was me, your father, the whole time. I never left you. <laughs> also, you didn't say the father's name, Michael. I don't have it written down. The father is a combination of two of my favorite things uh... you and ketchup. What? His his name is Michael Hines. Aww. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Their father is named Michael Hines? Yeah. He escaped from Nazi Germany. This is what happened with his art. What? Okay, from Wikipedia, right? <laughs> he like was in Germany collecting art and he escaped but lost all of his art to the Nazis and it was scattered to the winds. Hmm. And I guess he maybe married a Japanese woman and had these kids or something. Hmm. Um, but he's missing, or maybe he was half Japanese. There's, there's some way that the, that they are Japanese, even though he was partially oh, German. Oh, so like this guy's probably a Nazi, huh? He's not a Nazi. No, not not Michael Hines, the uh, um, Nagaishi, maybe. Yeah, there would be Nazis <laughs> figures. For now, Nagaishi is a good guy, and he conveniently has the this truck with like um, a ramp. And they drive the plane up the ramp and the wings fold in, which is very convenient. <laughs> I was really thinking about that. I was like, wait, can planes do that? Is that a thing? Is that a feature on some planes? It feels like it would completely compromise the structure of the wings, right? Especially that they fold it up instead of down. Yeah. They said it was a Cessna plane. So I said to myself, I guess Cessna planes can do that. Oh, there are wings with folding planes. Lots of them. And planes with folding wings. Yeah. <laughs> What not that what I said? No, you said it backwards. Play back the tape. <laughs> did I say wings with folding planes? Yeah. yeah, you did. That's what I meant. Same thing. Same difference. I also think that uh, in Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, Tails' plane had either folding wings or transforming wings. I thought you were going to say Tails had folding wings. No, Tails has two tails. These planes are a lot smaller than the plane that they were flying, but okay. Mm-hmm. Cessnas are pretty small. I, I think like a Cessna is maybe a seaplane. Is that true? Like a plane that lands at sea? Cessna. Oh, there it is. A Cessna 172. Well, these are not. These have wheels. So maybe there's different kinds. Yeah, these are not. These would not have folding wings. (laughs) I'm just going to look on Google Shopping just to get a good sense of... I love the idea that like you're done recording the episode and you go back out to Scott and you're like, I bought a Cessna (laughs) on Google Shopping. (laughs) I also like this moment when they get away and they are like laughing about fooling Toshio. They're like so gleeful mm-hmm. and happy. <laughs> and we talked about this bit at the end. He comes back to the cafe and notices the cat has a jewel. <laughs> but once again, like his boss chooses him out and insists on him writing a letter of apology. And you think he's like talking back to his boss. 
but really he's just telling the girls like what he wishes he would say to his boss. Yeah. And there's just something like so great <laughs> about he's like struggling at work because of cat's eye and he comes to vent to his girlfriend and her <laughs> sisters, but they are cat's eye. <laughs> it's dumb, but it works. It works. Some good energy. Yeah. Anything else we missed in the plot of the episodes or moments that people liked? We got the the photo and the boobies. Yeah. That was that was one we of my got moments. everything I wrote down for notes. We covered. <laughs> yeah, we're good. And even at the very end, when he threw the that she throws the cat on him when he's complaining about the he's trying to write the letter <laughs> and he's complaining about his boss and she throws the cat on him and I just thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> So let's briefly revisit the ending theme, mm. which Karen likes better than the yeah, opening theme. It's really good because it starts off with like an aerobic video. So I'm like thinking, oh, is this is this the interactive part of this? <laughs> is this when the kids get up after the end and they all do the left hips and they're like, shake your hips and they do the hip thing. And um, it's very instructional aerobics. <laughs> We definitely have seen animes with songs that and, and like the characters are dancing in a way that it's like this is a dance that someone could learn. Yeah. That clearly someone is going to learn and do on TikTok, I guess, is yeah. where you would do it these days. Here it is. It's like move your hands side to side, move your hips back and forth, go up and down. Oh, yeah. Here's the other line that I really liked is um, frolic about jovially and it's sexy. <laughs> the line yeah. that I really yeah. like. And sexy is the only line in English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> word. They, they, yeah, they had, say the English word sexy, which kind of rhymes with easy and relax, which they kind of rhyme with deluxe. <laughs> and then the other English words are dancing with the sunshine and dancing with the moon. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, some Japanese words dancing with the moonlight and dancing with the sun. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. ah. Uh. Fall passionately in love with my pure red lips. That's another <laughs> line. I don't know the, the specifics of it, but there was definitely some kind of like popularization of like conflating like those gymnastic workout videos. I don't know if they just straight up brought them over like American ones, but like there, there's a very clear connection with like the English language and these gymnastic videos at the time. Because if you look on YouTube, there are many, many that became memefied for years that were uh, they're literally like gymnastics videos where they're also teaching you practical english but there's some real strange ones there's the there's the one that you, you used to see all the time where it's like i was uh attacked by two men or something like that and it's just like, <laughs> take anything you want please don't take my life <laughs> and then there's a, a a preview of next week's episode where they get framed for a murder Ooh, so dun, dun, i think dun. there's a good chance that we could watch this episode on our podcast someday a murder i'm definitely interest a 10 out of 10 would watch again cat's eye <laughs> well do you want to answer any more of my questions that i have written down for the end of the podcast <laughs> before i ask them <laughs> how dare you know how i always you? ask would you watch more no no it's great <laughs> so yeah overall impressions like it was fun it sounds like we all had a good time yeah. watching it did it remind you of anything else you'd seen I mean, it was very heist. I loved the heist, uh, the heist tropes that got in there. Very classic, very classic anime tropes. Very classic mm -hmm. rom-com in there. It has some of the same energy of the Lupin episodes from that era, from like the mid-80s. Yeah. Great idea to have the detective searching for the thief who's actually his girlfriend. 
Yeah, and I and timeless in a way. Complete. <laughs> I mean, super eighties, but also super timeless. Eighties fits in, in the eighties. Fits in in twenty twenty one. Honestly, I think we should bring those cat suits back as something that we just all wear. I w- I actually almost didn't say that, but I feel like those cat suits are actually like not a good thing to wear when you're doing. No, a heist. I don't think so. Because you stick out like a sore really thumb. Do. I was gonna say it also passes the Bechtel test. The Bechtel test? Yeah. Two women are talking and they're talking about something other than a man. Oh, nice. That's how it passes the test. Oh, they're talking about art thieves, art heists and such. So if you are listening to this podcast today and you have seen Cat's Eye and want to tell us what you think (laughs) about it, you can send an email to dyingmessagepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Or if you want to send us a letter announcing what from our apartment you are going to steal, I will catch you. I will catch you. <laughs> and I don't care how many apology letters I have to write. Michael, you are dating the thief. <laughs> anyway, Karen, yes. we talked a bit about your art and you've, you've helped us make sense of um, some of what happened to us when our podcast was stolen. But if people want to catch your art or your comedy where should they go what should they look for if you want to catch my art the best thing to do is to follow me on instagram uh k coleman henner's art on instagram um then i from there i have a variety of links that i uh can send you to if you really want to delve deep into my art and if you want to watch the end crowd, uh, you can go to phillyencrowd.com and check out our events throughout the pandemic. We have been doing live uh, streaming shows, phillyencrowd.live, every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, phillyencrowd.live. And you can go to Twitch, twitch.com slash phillyencrowd. But now we are entering a new world of live performances. So you can catch us on Ambler on the 18th of September. I don't know when this podcast is airing, but then after you can, that. After <laughs> that. So if you missed us on Ambler on September 18th, you can catch us at the Bourse in Philly on Fridays at 7.30. So just, you know, follow Philly and Crowd and find out when we're performing. Ooh, where in the Bourse are you going to be? Just smack in the middle of the Bourse, baby. Just is that the, the food the hall? It is a food hall, yeah. But Ooh. we're starting to perform sort of at the end when the food, the eateries are closing. So you can come early, get some dinner, grab a beer, grab a seat, and uh, we're going to perform. Yeah. There's yeah. some good uh, food options in there. Yeah. It's, you know, food hall prices, but. Yeah. But it's very exciting. Right on Independence Mall there. Yeah. Come for the Liberty Bell, stay for Van Crowd. Yes, because Liberty Bell closes. You can't see it anymore after a certain time, but then the end crowd shows up. Watch some of that. The li- Actually, fun fact, why the Liberty Bell has a crack on it. They saw an end crowd show yeah, and it cracked, they, it, it cracked the Liberty Bell right up. They so much. They cracked up. They cracked up <laughs> laughing. Thanks so much, Karen. This has yeah, been a delight. Yeah. And... Um, we're keeping an eye out. I'm going to look around actually, as I do this next part to see if I can find our podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate having you with us, even if we don't actually know where we are right now, but um, you can support the podcast by going to Apple podcasts, give us a star rating and write a comment that lets other people know that you enjoyed what you're listening to. If you're not listening on Apple podcasts, 
subscribe, follow, rate, or review whatever the podcast service that you're using allows. And uh, keep in touch with us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Did we always have a painting right here? <laughs> Let me just look in the back of this painting. There's something in here. Is it the podcast? Is it, wait, is it, is it <laughs> no, just a, it, a pile of digital pets? Is that where I put them? Oh my God, your digi pets are there. <laughs> Uh-oh, I don't know what this means. Let me let me send you a link of the image and maybe you all can describe this for me and we can try to figure it out. Oh my god, it's like a, a top hat with a monocle and like a grin. It's a calling card. Oh no. It looks like our podcast was stolen from from right out from under cat's the eye. Pringles guy. <laughs> the Pringles our guy podcast stolen. was stolen by Pringles guy. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to keep working on that and see what we can figure out next week. Um, But Karen, maybe you have one final insight to provide us from the time that you kidnapped your husband. Oh, yeah. Um, If you're going to make somebody stick their hand in a box of spaghetti to get a key out, um, make sure that you oil up that spaghetti because when spaghetti (laughs) dries, it just sort of congeals. (laughs) <laughs> into a hardened state and it's it's hard so oil up your spaghetti if you're gonna hide a key in, in there i love that yeah rewind so this was a, <laughs> a birthday surprise for your husband yeah a birthday created. surprise and this was before before we were married and i guess i thought this will be it he'll totally propose to me after this i was really thinking that this was going to be the thing that really uh cinches the deal seals the deal but yeah, I decided to design an escape room in our in our apartment that we lived in. So every day at work, I would be ordering things on Amazon to come to uh, arrive uh, to me at work. So it was a surprise. So it'd be all sorts of little padlocks and keys that open with uh, letters. And but but you know what? I didn't do it just easy. I didn't make it easy for him because I had to, he had to, you know, when you go to an escape room and you have to turn over everything to find it. So the room just looked like the normal room. I didn't want it to look like I disturbed the room in any way. So I closed him in the room and I just locked it. I got a padlock for the door and I padlocked (laughs) him inside the room and I said, all right get out of the room now. So he had to turn everything over and I had like this whole puzzle. Then he had to put the puzzle pieces together and then he had to open up a box and find a black light. And then he had to shine the black light on the puzzle pieces that took him to like a YouTube video. So then he had to go and I had my friend film a YouTube film a video, put it up on YouTube with like a combination to <laughs> another clue <laughs> for something else. And then at some point I hung the, hung a key outside the window where he had to build something to get the key that was hanging outside the window. Um, And at some point, yes, there was a key and he had to put his hand in the spaghetti to get the key out, out of it. So he had to fish through. So it was a very elaborate um, setup, but he did not propose immediately to me then, (laughs) but I think it did help my case. A little bit. What do you think is better, hiding something in spaghetti or hiding something in a tanuki statue? Oh, <laughs> Sp- 
spaghetti. <laughs> you don't have to destroy the spaghetti. Well, you do, but it's like cheaper to destroy spaghetti. I mean, it's fine. It was like two. Pa- I I went. I wasn't just the one box of spaghetti. It was a lot of. I I was. I bought the spaghetti with the idea in mind that it was just going to be thrown in a cardboard box and <laughs> thrown away. It's a lot of spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti is cheap, so like yeah. you can do that. You're not going to do that with uh, Wagyu beef. I don't know. What's expensive? Yeah, what's to do with Wagyu beef? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Well, because also he didn't know it was spaghetti. It was just a box, a cardboard box that I cut a hole out of. Yeah. And so yeah. he just had to put his hand in there, not knowing what was in there. <laughs> was there any like sauce to make it goopy and like he pulls his No, red but that's see, that's you... that's why I said that's my advice. I did not put anything in that spaghetti. So now I'm thinking I should have put some olive oil or something in there because it it, it congealed up. So it was It was just a mess. It was just a mess of spaghetti in there (laughs) that's my advice (laughs) and that closes the case on this week's dying message the detective anime mystery podcast episode 51 in which we fail to realize we're dating the culprit podcast cover art created by miriam bloom music excerpted from solve the damn mystery by jesse spillane thank you again to our mystery guest karen coleman hinners coming up Why don't all magicians use their powers for evil and thievery? Does Kaito Kid have a good origin story? Do all magicians try to conjure flowers for their love interests? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. I've cracked the case. It's Carmen Coleman. Carmen. Carmen Coleman. I love it. Carmen. I've been thinking of a different name because I I actually have abbreviated, have, I mostly abbreviate my name down to K Mm -hmm. because of the whole Karen is a, a, a not a great person to be. So I'm like watching all these shows and they're like, she is such a Karen. And I'm like, I just don't like that. So (laughs) Karen, Karen is a lot better. It's sort of like chairman or care bear, like a care bear chairman. Hmm. I yeah. would love the opportunity to say your name correctly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We can edit this. I'm sorry. 